This is Church of the Resurrection in Wheaton, Illinois. This week's sermon is by Father Brett Kroll. You may be seated. What a joy it is to worship and celebrate the living God, the risen Lord Jesus, to worship our God for whom nothing is impossible, who has made a way when there is no way, who has done for us what we could not do for ourselves because of his great love for us. Indeed, when we step back and look at all that he's done for us, we say it's almost too good to be true. One of the barriers to believing this story is it just seems too good to be true. And yet it is. God has done the impossible. Nothing is impossible with him. This is what we believe, that Jesus was sent from God. Indeed, he was God. And that he went about doing good and setting free all who were oppressed by the devil. The blind man, he opened his eyes. The lame man, he caused him to walk. Prostitutes and sinful women, he called into a new life and redeemed them. Lepers, he healed of their leprosy and called the outcast into his inner circle. And those who were afflicted with demons, he set free. And that was only a prelude to the main event. But the Bible tells us that Jesus had come to be put to death on a cross, to give his life for the sin of the world. And that in the offering of his life, as he's giving away his life, that gift of his life unto death was a gift so magnificent, so immeasurable that it covers and pays for all the debts of our sin. Every time you sin, every time there's even just a small selfishness, you now owe a debt to that person and you owe a debt to God. And the gift that Jesus gave in his life is worth so much that it pays for the debt of all our sins and then some. But in order to do this, he had to truly die to give away his life. And the Bible tells us that On the third day, he was raised again from the dead, not just resuscitated. Oh, there have been many over the centuries who have been dead, pronounced dead in hospitals and have come back to life after a brief time of death. But in every single case, and even those in the Bible who are raised from the dead, they eventually died again and stayed dead. But Jesus was raised on the third day never to die again. And he now lives forevermore. He is in heaven reigning as king of the universe and he will come back soon and bring all of those who trust in him to new life, raised from our graves, just as he was. This is what we believe. Nothing is impossible for God. He makes a way when there's no way. He does for us what we cannot do for ourselves. And yes, when we look at what he's done for us, It sometimes seems too good to be true, but it is. So we're going to talk about the God who does the impossible today, who has done the impossible and can do the impossible. Now we use that word impossible a lot and we use it to refer to things that aren't technically impossible. So my son, Simon, he's five years old. He's recently been getting into basketball. So I I showed him a few highlights of Michael Jordan the greatest basketball player of all time. And as he's doing his amazing athletic accomplishments, the commentators are saying things like, that's impossible, no one can do that. But he did. Or think of Beethoven, who wrote and composed the Ninth Symphony, one of the most majestic, magnificent, creative pieces of genius that the world has ever heard. And he did that while he was completely deaf 
And we might say, that's impossible. We're speaking of deaf uh, Helen Keller and Ann Sullivan. Ann Sullivan figuring out how to teach Helen Keller to read, to communicate, to speak. We would say that's impossible, but technically it's not impossible. Uh, Those are just really, really, really hard things. And those folks who did them are just very, very, very rare and unusual people. Uh, we, We might even say that, oh, it would be impossible for me to have a billion dollars someday. But that's not technically impossible. It's just really, 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 really unlikely. So we have to think of something, what would technically be impossible? How about this? Swimming to the bottom of the Marianas Trench in nothing but your bathing suit and coming back. Okay, now that is something that is technically impossible. No human has ever done that, will ever do that. No human could ever do that. And what Jesus has done in the resurrection is something even more impossible than swimming to the bottom of the Marianas Trench and coming back. He has in fact done the most impossible thing in the universe. It would be easier to realign stars and solar systems and galaxies than to come back from the dead, never to die again. And this is precisely what he's done. So if you have your Bibles open to 1 Corinthians 15, that's the passage we'll be working through today. Jesus has done the impossible. Read verse three. The apostle Paul is writing, he says, I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas or Peter, and then to the 12. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive at the time that Paul is writing this, though now some have fallen asleep, a reference to their death. Then Jesus appeared to James and to all the apostles. No one else has ever come back from the dead, never to die again. No one has ever even claimed to do that or claimed to follow someone who has done that. Again, as I mentioned, there've there've been many and even stories in the Bible, those who've been resuscitated, but they all died again. No one has been dead for several days, rise again and to go on living forever. That is impossible. That is technically impossible. When we speak of things that are impossible, that is impossible. No human can do that. It would be easier to swim to the bottom of the Marianas Trench and back. The human race from the very first man has been held captive by death. Uh, There's a story that I was thinking about recently that actually is a perfect illustration of, of humanity's condition in death. I was reminded of this story because it was was a moment somewhat like we're in right now where the eyes of the world, the whole global community was fixed uh, on a particular saga that was playing out over the course of several months. You may remember that less than 10 years ago, there was a group of Chilean miners who got stuck down in their mine and could not get out And probably they would have remained in there until they died, had not their wives and their families advocated to the government, alerted all the media, got the attention of the world. And yes, for 69 days, the world watched. Nothing on the scope of what we're doing now in the midst of this pandemic, but it truly was a global event. And 69 days later, the world rejoiced when those men came out. 
So what had happened is a, a boulder, the size of the Empire State Building, had collapsed underground on the main tunnel, the only way out to the surface. And so those miners, it's not as if there was just a small collapse of the tunnel that maybe after a few days of digging, they could get through. No, it was a boulder the size of the Empire State Building had collapsed on the main tunnel and they were stuck half a mile under earth and rock with nothing but pickaxes. It was impossible for them to get out. They needed a power from above. They needed someone who had the machines that could actually dig tunnels. They didn't have that power. They didn't have that machinery down there in the mine. And so they depended on those from above to make a new way. And eventually after 69 days, the the way was made and they were released. And I say that this is a perfect picture of us in death. We are those Chilean miners. There is no way around death. There's no way through it. There's no way out of it. We are all stuck in the mine. How do we get stuck there? Look again to our, our scripture, 1 Corinthians 15. Look at verse 21 and 22. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. And I want to focus especially on the first part of verse 21 and the first part of verse 22. By a man came death. As in Adam, all die. This is referring to the story of the first human being created, Adam. And how God created him and set him in paradise to have relationship with him. And yet at his first turning away from the Lord, his first disobedience, his sin death entered into the world. The Bible tells us that death has entered into the world because of sin. At that first disobedience, that boulder, the size of the Empire State Building, dropped. And now Adam and everyone born after him is born into a world that is dominated by death. Through sin, death has entered the world. And through that one sin, Now death has come to all, and now all of us also, if if it wasn't enough that through Adam's sin, death has come to the whole world, now each of us has made our own contribution. Each of us, because of our deep-seated selfishness, have sinned against others, we've hurt others, we've hurt God. And so in our own way, we have earned our own death. Every one of us is now stuck down in that mine. And it's impossible to get out Impossible to fix the problem that we had caused to overturn the power of death. Look again to verse 21. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. So what Paul is saying here is that because it was a man who sinned and brought death into the world, a member of the human race caused the problem. Therefore, a member of the human race has to fix it. But, but we can't. We're not able to defeat death. So a thousand years ago, Archbishop of Canterbury, a man named Anselm, he, he, he structured it this way. This was his logic. He said, by reason of justice, man was responsible. 
but by reason of power, only God was able. What did he mean by that? Well, when someone does something wrong, when someone makes a mistake or they do something wrong, whose responsibility is it to make it right? Who's culpable? Who's guilty? Well, the, we would all say the person who did the wrong. So when we had brought death, it was our responsibility to do something about it. But this was a problem that no human could fix until God became a human. For by a man came death. By a man has also come the resurrection of the dead. So Jesus took our humanity and with it, the responsibility for solving our death problem. And this he did through two impossible things. First, it is impossible that God should suffer death. And second, it is impossible, as we've been saying, for a human being to rise from the dead and go on living forever. These are both impossible, but in Jesus Christ, both of these impossible things have happened. Nothing is impossible for God. He has made a way where there was no way. And he has done for us what we could not do for ourselves because of his great love for us. And indeed, when we see what he's done for us, it's almost too good to believe that it's true. And yet it is. And because he has done this, because Jesus has gone ahead, he has now made a way for us to follow. He's tunneled through from above. He's jumped down into the mine and he said, there is now a way out. So look at verse 22. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the first fruits, and then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. So in verse 23, what Paul is saying is Christ goes ahead of us. So he is the only one who has experienced this resurrection from the dead, never to die again. But when he comes again at the end of the age, when Jesus returns to the earth, <clears throat> then Paul says, all who belong to him will be similarly raised just as he was. So Jesus has gone ahead. But we who believe in him we follow after so that what is true for him now will be true for us one day. And in this hope, we follow him. When I was a kid, I thought my dad could do anything. Nothing was impossible for him. As I mentioned, Simon, my five-year-old, is getting interested in basketball now. Well, one of, one of the uh, things that I loved to do most with my dad when I was a little boy was go out onto the driveway and shoot hoops. Now, my dad is six foot eight. That's tall. He played basketball at high school and college. And even uh, as a man in his mid-30s, he could still dunk the basketball. And I thought that was the coolest thing ever. And I so wanted to dunk, but I was a little kid and we were playing on a 10 foot hoop. And so that is what we would describe as technically impossible. Couldn't do it. And for my dad, the idea of getting a fancy hoop, the kind where the rim height maybe goes up or, or down, could lower so that it might be easier for a little kid. Well, let's just say that wasn't his way. <laughs> Uh, 
pave the driveway, why would we pave the driveway? Those stones that are jutting out of it force you to be a better dribbler. He really did say this. Okay, so as I said, uh, he, he was tall. He could dunk. He could dunk on that recycled rim from the junkyard, bolted to the uh, plywood backboard, just like he had in the hay mow on the farm when he was growing up. If it was good for enough for him, it was good enough for me. He could dunk on that thing, but me as a five-year-old, it was impossible. And so there was no greater thrill than when he would come behind me and, and pick me up in his arms and hold me by the waist and hoist me over his six, eight frame. And with his arms outstretched and my arms outstretched, I could dunk the basketball. I could do the impossible when he was lifting me up. And there was no greater thrill. It was not as fun when he would sometimes let go and leave me hanging there for a minute or two. <laughs> I, I think he said something about strengthening the forearms, but in the resurrection, Jesus has done what we on our own could never do. But like my dad lifting me up through God's power, the impossible thing <clears throat> becomes possible. Turn now to verse 51. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable. That means unfading, never to be diminished, never to, to rot or decay. Unfading, imperishable, we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable and this mortal body must put on immortality. And when the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death, as we've said earlier, Paul says, the sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ came to share our death that we might share his resurrected and eternal life. He has done the impossible thing. He has made a way where there was no way. So I have an invitation to, in fact, one for those who are not followers of Jesus and those who are, are believers. So first, I, I wanna speak to those who would not call yourself a Christian. On a day like today, uh, it's no surprise that, that there will be some tuning in who up to this point would not say, yeah, I'm following Jesus. And perhaps even before now would not say, yeah, I believe that he came back from the dead never to die again. You would not have said that about yourself. Let me speak to you for a moment. I have an invitation for you. I invite you in the name of Jesus to everlasting life. Remember the mine? Apart from him, you, like the rest of humankind, are stuck in that mine. And apart from him, you will be stuck there 
forever. What the Bible calls the reality of hell and eternal death. And there is no way out. You cannot get yourself out. Not by being a good person. If your assurance is thinking, well, I'm a good person. I just want to tell you, that's like having a pickaxe and trying to tunnel your way out of a half a mile of earth and rock. It's impossible. You can't do it. And no other belief, no other philosophy, no other religion, no other name. It is only Jesus who has made a way. But he has made a way. And his invitation for you this morning is to trust in him and to follow him out of the mine. Now, there's nothing that I can say. There's no power in my words to, to make you want to say yes to Jesus and to give your life to him. But what happens is the Holy Spirit stirs in our hearts. He can stir a heart and move a heart to say, I want to say yes to Jesus. I want to give my life to him. I want to accept this invitation. And if your heart is being stirred in that way right now, then I want you to pray with me. As I pray it, pray it in your heart or pray it out loud there in your living room or your dining room or wherever you're watching. It's very simple. Jesus, I trust in you. Jesus, I need you to forgive me for all the wrong things I've done. Jesus, I need you to save me from death because I can't save myself. Come into my life and be my Lord. If you have prayed that prayer, it's really important that you reach out to our missions pastor, Matt Woodley. Write to him an email at matt at churchres.org and, and let him know what has happened for you. An invitation now to my brothers and sisters. Those of you who believe in the resurrection. What feels impossible to you right now? What in your life right now feels impossible you don't see a way through? I'm actually going to give you a brief moment to think of it. What feels impossible? You may even want to put your hands out in front of you. Give that thing to Jesus. Nothing is too hard for him. Indeed, if he has already done the impossible thing of delivering you from death, then whatever this is before you that feels impossible, it is not too hard for him. He can help you. He can make a way. And so pray this. Jesus, I give you this. and Name that reality. It's too hard for me, but it's not too hard for you. I need your help with it. I need, to make, I need you to make a way where I see no way. And then thank God for hearing your prayer. He always makes a way for those who ask. Nothing is impossible for God. And on this Easter Sunday, I believe that God wants to restore 
to resurrect, to raise up in all of us anew, a childlike faith, to believe fully in his promises and believe that nothing is too hard for him. So ask God to restore childlike faith in you. Go ahead and ask him right now. Restore childlike faith in you. And I believe that on this Easter Sunday morning, God wants to restore in us a life of prayer that is filled with faith that God can do the impossible. Some of you, there are prayers that you once prayed and you've stopped praying them. For others of you, there are prayers that you have not prayed because you're afraid. You don't have the courage. You say, I can, I can pray for this, for that person, but I, I can't pray for that. It's too much. Ask God to restore the prayer of faith in you. Ask him right now. God, restore the faith, the prayer of faith. And begin to pray that prayer you stopped praying. Begin to pray that prayer you've been afraid to pray. Jesus came back from the dead, never to die again. Nothing is too hard for him. Amen. Thanks for listening. Our vision at Church of the Resurrection is to equip everyone for transformation. As a part of that vision, we love to share dynamic teaching, original music, and stories of transformation. For more of what you heard today, check out the rest of our podcast. To learn more about our ministry, visit churchres.org.